Hello, and welcome back to Pros and Content brought to you by Notch. I'm your host, Ellen Schwartz, and this episode is for our top of funnel marketing friends. Perla Virgen Silva is Senior Global Demand Generation Manager at Mixpanel, and during our prep call, she blew my mind with one offhanded comment about how she's framed demand gen work as betting on discoverability. That idea became the basis for most of this conversation, and we also dive into how to get data right in order to align the org to a common goal. Really quick, before you forget, do me a favor and make sure you're subscribed. You don't want to miss a single episode with these leading B2B SaaS marketers who know how to prove their contribution to business growth at all stages of the funnel. And now, here's your interview. Hello, Perla. It's so lovely to have you. How are you? I'm doing great, Ellen. How are you? I am fine. Thank you. I am so ready to geek out with you. I loved our prep call because I think you and I are doing similar work. So you're one of the first people where our work was a little bit more one-to-one. And then all of these ideas you brought with you have really given me something to think on. So I'm excited to talk through this and share it with the audience. First off, do you want to give us just a little bit of background about how you wound up where you are at Mixpanel? Yeah. So really quickly, I essentially started my career in marketing in real estate marketing. It was a fun transition away from my like biochem studies. My mom was in real estate. She's a broker. I was by association kind of pulled into the world of how do I generate more leads for the business? And she was always being self-employed. And so I fell in love, made it my career. I then realized real estate is not what I wanted to stay in long term. <laughs> really sought out let that like tech experience, especially I think being here in the Bay Area. So tried the like consumer tech for a little bit, but then I was always just gravitating towards business to business. It was something that specifically in the tech space with being able to target personas outside of who I was as a marketer, being able to dive into these other industries that I'm, you know, by no means like incredibly technical, but being able to do that research into who these audiences are and think creatively about how am I going to actually be targeting these folks and selling this software. And it is how I've ended up in this nerdy marketing space. I specifically, I think, fell into demand gen because I just love all the aspects of digging into the different channels, threading a message across platform after platform, kind of just going to market with whatever this unified message is to your audience and being able to see, does it resonate or not? Does it drive the results I want it to drive or does it not? And so having that purview into sort of that end-to-end experience, it's, it's been a lot of fun. And so over the last few companies I've been at have been very focused on the product manager persona, the developer, engineer persona, just even more specifically, really landing in that analytics experimentation um, space. I love it. I love analytics as a piece of my workflow almost on a daily basis. And so being able to have that perspective, being able to use the the, the tools that I'm that I'm marketing, but also outside of just targeting marketers, it's kind of been this really fun blend of, of it all. That's fantastic. Incredible that you started in biochem and wound up here. Like that was, I did not expect that. So obviously I didn't read your LinkedIn profile well enough. Held back. Um, I held back. <laughs> <laughs> I need to drop some surprises for you. That's 
Incredible. I love surprises. So thanks. The question that I proposed to you in our prep call was a little bit of, do you consider yourself a demand gen marketer or a growth marketer? Do you feel like there are distinctions here between those two? And where do you feel like you fall on that spectrum? Favorite question, of I think, of every like <laughs> demand gen, digital marketer, like growth marketer. Also super timely. I actually this morning was was reading um, from Emily Kramer, the ex-head of marketing at Asana. She just published something on her feed, Market One, about the whole like building your growth team. And so I feel like there, there's two things. I kind of want to use that as well. And a lot of it, I'm really aligned with that growth marketing is the umbrella. It is the motion. It is the growing your business. And I do really agree that there are layers within that, that fuel how, how you're seeing that growth. For me personally, I think I've really leaned into keeping this demand gen. I consider myself a demand gen manager, marketer. I have a team that's sort of blended across campaign managers, but also specialists in the different, you know, in, in paid media, in web. And so I still consider myself within that demand gen umbrella, just simply around the topics of how are we creating demand, thinking about, you know, those specialists when we typically think about top of funnel acquisition and how are you driving awareness to your site really have to be in my perspective, like have to be embedded to what's the ultimate, like what are those themes? What are those value props of the company that we're trying to drive across Typically, that's what you know what we have the campaign managers for driving those individual campaigns. But what I've noticed over the last few years, especially, is the tighter we can embed these typically specialist roles into the actual integrated sort of campaign experience, it just provides like a much tighter messaging circle. The the channels are talking to each other. We're able to bounce quickly between them, and so. We do serve the function of growth marketing, but I think right now for where we are here at Mixpanel, but also I think how I see my role really, it's in that demand generation. So we're going out, we're creating that demand, we're looking at, you know, what are those awareness, working with those specialists at the top of funnel. We really lean into the awareness stages as well. So it's like unaware problem aware, solution aware, so on, so on. And so we kind of are starting to build out what does that look like at each of those phases? And it's it's the benefit of we can add that campaign manager piece into, okay, how do we just take this and just thread it across? It's, you know, that's what we're experts in. And so that's where I really see it. And I think there's never going to be a right answer. I think it just always depends on on the business and it's really cool to see how, I mean, how it's really evolving. I mean, five, six, seven years ago, I would have just said I'm a digital marketing manager because I look at all our online channels, like that, that's what we were doing. So, you know. I even feel like demand gen is relatively new, like to the scene as far as like, yeah, it's like, I've just, I'm a d- digital marketer. What else is there? And now we've got <laughs> some names for things and we're kind of like making it a practice, right? Which is why we wanted to label it something else. Right at the end here, you hit on something that I think a lot of marketers get very catch 22 chicken and egg with, which is, do you start campaign and then go channel Or do you figure out what to do in a channel and hope that it loops around back into a campaign? Like, how do you kind of frame that or think about it without just spinning yourself in circles? A few ways. I think it always starts with 
choose one and just lean into it. Aha. <laughs> Whatever that's you want like, to do. That's just like a tricky way of saying it depends. You found yeah, a new way. I know. It, it, I mean, because it depends, right? If if I was going into a company that, you know, didn't have these channels kind of already fleshed out and you're kind of starting from scratch, you want to build the campaign based on the who is your customer, who's your ideal customer profile. What are they interested in? How are you going to get those value messages across? Build the campaign with the channels in mind. The reality when you start a, a company is you're typically walking into into some level of channels already having been been built out, loose campaign themes, maybe no campaigns at all happening. That's actually in some way like what I walked into kind of coming into mix panel now a year actually where we had a lot of things just always on across our different channels. And I actually think one of the main reasons why they brought in a demand gen lead for the company was we really just needed a way of like, we have these channels, we have these motions happening. What does it actually mean to our user? Like how, how does it actually, you know, how do we know if the message that we're going and putting out across these different channels is the right one, is one that we want to stand behind, is one that we want amplified, so on and so forth. That's kind of where it, it depends because reality is you come in and you see the channels then you're kind of looking at, all right, let's look at that positioning. Let's look at our personas. Where are we seeing that alignment? Where are we seeing misalignment? And then also just sometimes like just people, it's that breaking down silos. I think that's been the other piece. It's for me walking into the role at Mixed Panel, I acquired a team of three growth marketers and everyone was sort of running their different stages of the, the growth oh. cycle. And, you know, how do we get that under one? And, and I think that's also why I'm like, yes, demand gen is growth marketing. Growth marketing does not equal demand gen. Right. That we can come in, have a demand gen person kind of come and like bring these growth marketers together who are typically, you know, only attacking one part of the funnel or whatever you want to use funnel flywheel. But I think at the, at the stage of the company that we're at here at mix panel, that's that's not enough for us to be able to go and just like see that escalated growth and like capturing that demand because you hit that diminishing return of like, okay, what's next? Because I can only be putting out so many evergreen ads out to right. drive signups. Yeah. And I think that all very much relates into that original question of like, start, you can start a bit with what you have, but if you are too siloed within your channels or too siloed within your estate, a little bit of the left hand doesn't know what the right one is doing. How do you bring all of that back together? And what you're trying to do is make something that's a lot more holistic in order to start to be able to streamline things, work toward the same goal, make sure that we're all like running the same marathon. I'm going to try to find about five more metaphors before I stop. We're marketers. We, 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 we got endless ones. <laughs> right, right, right. Something that you said there that at the very end with kind of like understanding the beginning of the funnel, middle of funnel, everything like that. One of the things, again, from our prep call that has just stuck in my brain and I have been, it's a little bit of this reframing of the demand gen role that has helped me, I think, even going forward do better with demand gen, which is that it's more about the discoverability of your product than it is necessarily generating demand. And maybe it's just that to me, discoverability is a lot more tangible. But what you said 
about knowing your customer and kind of knowing where they play in the channels that they're going to be using mixed with the discoverability, I think starts to make a lot of sense as far as allowing you to choose the right channels, run the right campaigns, and maybe even say goodbye to some channels, like finding out where it is that your your key personas are playing, choosing those and moving forward with that. So I did not just sum it up. We had a great chat about it. So Talk me through this idea of discoverability <laughs> and what it all encompasses. That was a really great summary of like, of, of the tail jar of the conversation. And just like, again, I really quickly want to add into that why I kind of goes back to like the first question where we started of, you know, why demand gen, why not growth marketing? They're embedded. You can't have a reason to really pull in those specializations of like your performance marketer and your web marketer is because that this discoverability piece of discoverability is that create demand, right? Discoverability is you want to go and like, people don't know about you. How do you create demand? Discoverability brings it down one layer into how do you do that? What do you, what right. is demand? And I think that's what we were talking about in our prep call. and. I don't know who said discoverability in in the planning conversations I was having a few months ago with our marketing leadership team, where we were kind of going through thinking about what do we want to prioritize for this fiscal year? The word, I don't know if it was, I think my VP of marketing, Lauren Volpe, she was saying, you know, discoverability as, as a bet. And so when I heard that, I was like, holy cow, like discoverability. Discoverability is like, the reason of, you know, it is a focus now for us to be like, okay, if the way that we want to commit to creating this demand in our FY24 plan is through showing up in the channels where our ICP is already, you know, living their day-to-days in, we're becoming discoverable. That allows for us to put together a tangible plan of like, okay, now we know we want to invest in these online forum communities. We want to invest in these keywords, in these third party blog posts, in XYZ of what does it take for us to actually be creating that demand? And then the second piece of why discoverability as, as a bet for us here at Mixpanel just really stood out to me. The second piece is discoverability is a distribution problem. And another thing that really has been kind of like in those circles of our like marketing, like my, my LinkedIn feed is just all like marketing advice and like B2B marketing, like all all the goodness. I, you know, I love and have so much respect for so many of these marketing thought leaders, but again, how do you make content distribution, like an actual tangible thing of like, how do I put this in my plan? And after, you know, this concept of discoverability kind of was coming from my VP of marketing, it was like, oh my gosh, like we have a discoverability problem because we have a distribution problem because there are key pieces that are like, this was create this, you know, thought leadership blog was created for our ICP, maybe even like featuring, you know, a customer, someone that is our literal ICP that like tangible advice and feedback, but we're not following through with a distribution plan. We're not following through with, you know, how does our top of funnel awareness ads look and how do we, you know, keep that rotation? And so 
what that unlocked, I think, for us going into FY24 is this perspective on what it means to create this demand. And especially when, you know, we're so focused right now, I think everyone, a lot of businesses, you know, what are you going to invest in? Like, how are we using our marketing dollars? For us, we're really excited to just kind of be fully in on what does it mean for us to create demand? And, and really, we've built out our plan uh, within that discoverability bet of of the different channels and, and how are we going to show up for our users where they are. Yeah. And I like I like the discoverability bet because I think that's how a lot of people think about marketing before you have data. You kind of just have to hedge your bets that something's going to work out. If you phrase it as discoverability of where your audience is, it makes you a lot more confident because you're thinking it's, I guess it's almost another way of just like putting the customer back at the center, which is what a good marketer would do anyway. But like reframing it to say like, where are they already? I think it makes you, I think it opens you up to be a more creative marketer. Yes. And actually a lot of this, I will also say it's, it has to come from the top down. And so we kind of have this, we do have, you know, kind of the hardest job of we're on the path to customer excitement. Like that is the literal like track of what we're on. It is under this excitement track, but what we're really, you know, looking for it to do for us in our plans is like this, this is what we need to unlock ourselves from like, take that, take the swings, like do the things that are like, how do we invest in this discoverability bit? And like, just get really good at it. And I think too, kind of just looping it back to that campaign channel idea and like, what are you going to do? If you show up and you're like, well, we have to have these channels, your brain goes into what channels are available. You default into like, you know, the basics of LinkedIn and email and everything else. And I think taking mixed panel, for example, you mentioned to me that like Stack Overflow winds up being a great channel for you because that's where a developer might go with questions. So if you can go into those forums and start to just be present and say, here's your, so like provide value. Here's the solution to whatever the question was. By the way, Mixpanel can do this. Like, hey, I work at Mixpanel, reach out. Or I think I've even seen you on LinkedIn in some comments just being like, hey, I saw that this was a problem. Didn't you like actually reply to someone who's like, I'm a Mixpanel customer and nobody got back to me? And you're like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, my bad. But showing up. Yeah. Community as a whole is actually something that, again, has shifted into being a company wide, like, bet essentially. Our support, our customer support team has it officially on their roadmap. Like, they're the ones that are going to be taking over our stack overflow. Like, it is now oh, part cool. of like, their priority. That's a big shift. Oh yeah. It's huge. It's, it's, I mean, it's incredible. And, you know, we know that's where our, our customers, our ICP is and like being yeah. able to actually have the right people, the experts, you know? Right. I, Cause I mean, that, I can, no, but I know, think, yeah. sorry to talk over you, but I think no. that's the cool thing is like you identified this place where everybody is. If you owned it as the marketer, what would you be doing? going to ask what the answer is. <laughs> totally. And instead, you've empowered them to say, this is a big part of keeping Mixed Panel going. I want to own this too. I want to be involved in this. That is cool. Like that's shifty, not shifty. What's the word? Seismic? A bit of just like, what? Let's move this over here. That's cool. Like it's Perla. That's the marketer's dream. Well, it wasn't, it wasn't, I, I do want to say it wasn't just me, you know, like this is very much like, even in conversations like uh, with our, our executive team, like they're very 
I will say like, that's really one of the exciting parts. They're just really looking holistically at how do we just make this better for our customers? And even if that means support, you now like, yes, Stack Overflow is part of what you do. Okay. Everyone else, like, how do we get a social tiger team? Like of the places that we need to show up, people are asking questions. Like we have some employees that are just, that are very active online. One of the things uh, as part of this discoverability bet on my side is really engaging with the right partner of an agency to be like, okay, how do we build this guidebook for like, how do we, you know, show up as at mix panel helping people, but also how do our employees show up? Uh, as representatives of the company, because they're so eager and, you know, because there's community online, I think for us, part of this discoverability is that community no longer is just our, our, our Slack community, which that within itself is its own incredible, like 5,500 like users in the Slack community, just like talking, asking questions, learning from each other. That is its own thing. But Marketing, what can we do on, we know that our communities are also online and in person. I have my, uh, my global field marketing peer, you know, she's thinking about the use, the, the community in real life aspect of it also online, but just like all around this topic of just how do we show up for our users, for our customers. Yeah, I like that it's even shifting the the field marketing to where you need to understand what the right avenue is. Like where should you be showing up? And I think that's maybe a good a good metaphor overall of like if you have been a field marketer, it's been a constant game of which is the right event to attend, which one should we sponsor, which one overlaps with our persona the best. And even that can feel like a bet sometimes. But so what you're doing is just kind of taking that idea and putting it across the whole of your top of funnel efforts. So super cool. I love I love all the things about this. <laughs> we could talk forever. <laughs> I think we could. I can't remember what time we started this, but I do think we're like kind of approaching on time and I have I like know. Half, I just of, realized. half of our outline left, but that's okay. Um, the other half of our outline, which I think we could hit on really fast just because I do think this is also cool, is the data side of things. So we've been able to do our discoverability and you, I think, if I'm remembering correctly, when you came in on Mixpanel, you were kind of handed something that you realized you needed to scrub up this data in order to start seeing what your actual contributions were, where the gaps are, what is or isn't working. So walk me through what that looks like. If Even if someone were to find themselves in a similar situation, maybe, what would you recommend that they do? Yeah, I think that the data piece is always, it's a crucial investment, right? It is... When you're eager as a demand gen new coming person to a company that has not had a demand gen person, there's always that like back of mind is like, how do I just start? Like, how can I just hit go? And just it's it takes everything to just be like really focusing on setting up the foundation. And so when I got here, it had been some time since they had people really actively looking at all of the flows that they had. And luckily, you know, I also came in around the same time as we had a senior marketing ops person starting as well. And so that paired with, okay, we know that our systems are in trouble. We know that our data needs some help of, you know, getting into the right place. On top of, you know, that we also around April, uh, we actually started like, well, not we, but mixed panel 
created this sort of in-between function of a like systems and tools organization where we're pulling together a director of engineering and some of the data engineers and people from RevOps, people from obviously our marketing ops person and sort of this cross-functional group that all they were going to be focused on was helping build up, like helping build this right foundation for how the data is being captured. And so that was, even though I think limited how much we were able to do in the last fiscal year, the investment on building a good data foundation is it's foundational. It's for right. a reason, right? It's yeah. like <laughs> fundamental. Like it's going into, I think it was around Q3. It was finally like, okay, I think we actually have enough to do a QBR and like let's set our benchmarks. And so it was really, it was a really cool experience seeing my team, which at that point was four people. And so we had sort of been trying to keep the yeah. lights on, but also flying a little blind, going with what we had. But it was really that like experience of being able to actually do a look back into the quarter and use that to take benchmarks. Because again, how do we set ourselves up for success? It's using our own data for benchmarking ourselves and finally being at a place where we use that as the bouncing board off into, into the remaining quarters. And so from where that started into, into Q4, I was actually, you know, building a demand model with whatever we could, obviously all the macro pieces aside. Sure, sure, sure. A, a, a place where, you know, looking at some of our historic rates and, and benchmarks that I was able to, you know, partner with our, with our VP of finance and sales and even our product team around this whole end to end of like, okay, we are fully, you know, product-led growth. We're getting people in through a sign-up. How do we, how does that look across the entire journey? And how many net new logos do we want to all be aligned on so that it's like, there's no, there's no confusion. There's no marketing. Where's hand raisers? Like sales is in the room. They know that now, you know, they saw the data, they saw the historical correlation from our signups to hand raisers. They feel bought into this plan. And so I think that's just what data unlocks for you. Right. And so bringing it back to this whole, like this whole data journey, it's really so that everyone feels bought into the plan. And so that even with, I think for me, even knowing that things will change, that this model will be wrong. We want it to be wrong because it at least is giving us a starting point. <laughs> oh, I love that you want it to be wrong. But I think what you just summed up is exactly why I wanted to make sure we snuck this under the wire, right? So everything you just talked about is what will help you be successful, improving your value to the company. It's sitting there and saying like, we're going to reach across functions. We're going to bring everybody together for a metric or for a system, whatever that kind of guiding star needs to be. Because then you can start to show and like getting your data collected and in a unified place so that everyone's looking at the same stuff and understands the value that each piece of data has so that no one is stuck at the end of the day saying, marketing, why are you reporting on these metrics that don't affect me? And like, so that the total like the visibility across that entire acquisition and I'm sure into the customers as well is like everything just needs to relate back to 
what are you doing over there? Um, so I know the very, like the beginning of this conversation turned out like tons and tons of discoverability chat, but it all then, you're going to be able to tie that and bring that back in to this centralized bit of data that has to be something that people are confident in, communicated all the way around. So golf claps for you guys. I think that's hard work. And I'm excited that you have the buy-in from kind of all around the place, but very, very cool. And thank you for sharing that. Um, we're definitely at time now, <laughs> but the uh, such a good conversation. And the final question I like asking people for any, all of these episodes is just, what would you want someone to take away from this conversation if you had to sum it up? If I had to sum up our conversation, lean into your customers, lean into who your persona is, use that as a guiding factor to, you know, when you have to prioritize your campaigns, when you have to prioritize your initiatives, it's what's telling it, you know, whether it's looking at in Q4, who were your clothes won, who were your clothes lost? What can you do? There is value in just understanding who, who the people that are buying your software are and how is that, how does that match up with who you're supposed to be targeting? And, you know, is there misalignment? How do you get closer to that? Because that answers from that full funnel of how do you start creating that demand to all the way through to how do you capture, nurture it and, and all the way through. I love that. Thank you. And I think that was a, a nice summary too of everything that we talked about. So Perla, it has been absolutely incredible to get to know you. So I really appreciate the time that you've spent with me today. I will drop your LinkedIn profile into the show notes in case anybody wants to get in touch with you. And I think you're doing awesome stuff over at Mixpanel. So thank you for joining me. Thank you so much, Ellen. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Pros and Content brought to you by Notch. We hope you subscribe to hear more interviews with leading marketers and SaaS B2B companies. We're focused this season on how marketers prove their contribution to business growth at all stages of the funnel. You can learn more about how Notch helps you uncover your organization's true audience journey, including what drives conversions at notch.com. That's K-N-O-T-C-H dot com.